Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week Kate and I are discussing a paper called Medicine and Horsemanship, the Effects of Equine-Assisted Activities and Therapies on Stress and Depression in Medical Students. Now, this paper is by Presley A. Chalkalis and uh, Jacqueline Locklear and Tracy Wharton. It's kind of a unique paper. I know we've done therapy papers before on anxiety and uh, PTSD and things like that. But this one took a little bit different twist because it uh, deals with medical students and the pressures that they undergo in medical school in how a lot of times, um, you know, we don't account for that. We think they're smart people. They have a passion for uh, being in medicine and, you know, they should not have depression or, uh, you know, high stress levels that would affect their health. So this particular paper examined the use of an equine assisted brief course module on stress and depression among medical students. So they took 28 students, 25 females and three males. And um, the demographic is known to have high pressure. We know medical school is a high pressure environment, but um, you know, I really wasn't aware that animal assisted therapies could improve health and quality, quality of life, um, particularly when it comes to cognitive, psychological and physical benefits in medical students. So um, this study used the seven session cane medicine and horsemanship program. And that is a curriculum put together by Dr. Beverly Kane. And it was meant to help doctors have more empathy, be more understanding of their patients, be more aware of what their patients may be feeling. And she's an avid horsewoman. So she thought it would really be useful if these medical students could come outside of their academic world, visit farms and ranches and be around horses to learn, um, you know, how we have to always be aware of what we're doing when you're in the presence of horses because they're such uh, prey animals that they hone in on any little emotion or activity, anything we do, they're aware of. And that's what she thought could benefit these um, doctors and these students uh, to help them deal better with patients and have a better uh, bedside manner. So I, th I love this uh, paper. It also has a link to the course. 
So I downloaded the PDF for the course and just a phenomenal uh, seven-week course. Now, Stanford Medical School uh, has it as a requirement for their uh, students to take this seven-week course. Um, this particular paper is from uh, the University of Central Florida, Orlando, and they also um, had it um, be taken over the course of seven sessions or seven weeks. They had a pre-interview uh, for the applicants or the students that uh, kind of told them this is what we're going to be doing today with the horses. And I will add that this was a non-ridden program. So they were around the horses, grooming and doing various activities, but they were not riding the horses. So you didn't have to be in, have any experience with horses to do this program. And then, um, you know, they did the post-interview which after a three hour session, then they did a post interview to see how the applicants felt, what they learned, um, and if they uh, felt uh, different, um, you know, and most of them reported that the stress did leave uh, while they were working with horses. And I think most of us realize that that's why we work with horses. It's such a, a good release, um, you know, that all of a sudden things get in their proper perspective. So Kate, what did you think about this paper? I absolutely loved this paper. I love that Stanford made it a prerequisite that students have to study this as a module because it's so important. But what I thought was really, like really stood out to me with this is, it's an area that I am very aware of in veterinary. And when we talk about burnout and things like, the rate of suicide is quite high in veterinary. And they mentioned that here as well when they talk about medical professionals. And I think the disconnect I've had is I had a perception, I suppose, that medical professionals should be better equipped um, to deal with their own depression or their own health ailments. But we're all human at the end of the day. And these are extremely difficult things. To deal with and in this paper it says according to the world health organization depression is the principal cause of disease burden worldwide so we're looking at doctors who are students are learning about disease learning about disease that can be caused by stress or um aggravated by stress they're learning about depression as a disease they'll be learning about advice to give people with depression or with illness and it's something that they are actually suffering alongside learning that which I thought was really interesting that it can be hard to take our own advice I think is probably what I took away from this and making the students go and spend time with the animals or even spend time in nature can have such a positive effect but it's almost like it has to be a module because these students are under such high pressure and they're so focused on reaching that goal of graduating and becoming a medical professional that if it's a module, it's something they have to achieve. So it gives them that incentive. But the results from it in having lowered the depression level in people and improving their stress levels as well is something that's just invaluable. 
Um, and because the, the other side as well is when we talk about this in vets, like vets are exposed to animals all the time. And we see research that, you know, even just petting your dog or petting your cat can help lower your heart rate and it lowers your cortisol levels. And there's a lot of health benefits to having a pet. But I think when you're working in a veterinary capacity, it's very different to getting to spend time, obviously, with your own pet. But what this paper also pointed out is that horses have a unique take on this when it comes to therapies because dogs and cats are predator animals and horses are prey animals. So you have to actually be a lot more in tune with the prey animal. You have to read their cues and kind of be more connected to what's going on and more present in the moment when you're working with a prey animal. Whereas I suppose you can dissociate a little bit more with a dog or a cat. Um, as well, because they pose much less of a risk to you when you are spending time with them than a horse, because we all know how dangerous it can obviously be if we're not careful around horses. And these students didn't have, there was three, I think, in each group that had extensive knowledge with horses. But otherwise, they were novice students when it came to horse experience um, or even had no previous experience at all with horses. So seeing that benefit from spending the time with them is really quite um, significant, I think. Yeah, and I think it was interesting that uh, there's evidence that supports um, there are significant levels of stress and depression among medical students. And those amounts um, are two to five times higher than the general population. I guess I just never ever thought about them being so uh, stressed. I knew it was high pressure, but you know, these are people that have a, um, you know, they're academic oriented, they're goal oriented, they've got to be disciplined because you can't just get into a medical school uh, without good grades. So, you know, they had developed good study habits. And this Rotenstein et al. did a study in 2016. It's a pretty impressive study because um, they reviewed 195 research projects, and that involved almost 130,000 medical students, uh, 129,123. More than a quarter of that sample population screened positive for depression, and more than one in 10 indicated suicidal ideation while in medical school. Now, that's kind of an alarming um a statistic for me that's a large sample size so I do think though that we we don't give students enough credit for how stressful it is to study and yeah. I don't know how it, it works in the U.S. Nancy do I think you're in the U.S. you can do a course before you would do medicine do you do like a pre-medical yeah, pre course Pre-med is usually four years, and uh, then you have to do, um, oh my God, it, it seems like they're in medical school for like 10 years. But um, Because I think here you can go straight into medical school. So I was thinking that, you know, we would have 18 and 19-year-olds in their first year of medicine, and they won't necessarily have done any courses before that. This will be their first course they go into. 
And from that point of view, I thought like, you know, it's so, I think it's so difficult anyway to expect, you know, young people to know at 18 or 19 what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And that, it still blows my mind. And I somewhat stayed along the same lines of what I wanted to do, but it changes, like it changes so much. And at 18 or 19, to be in a course where the course is like completely solely focused on preserving human life, which is the thing that in the world we give the most importance to preserving human life. So the pressure from that alone, like everything you're learning can be life or death with some of the decisions you have to make and the pressures you're going to be put under. And I just think that is, like it's unfathomable I guess especially at that young age and you're still in your formative years your character and your brain hasn't finished developing and then you're literally given all of this stress that surely it would have a massive impact on your mental health yeah yep and we then once they graduate there's a residency and yeah I mean it it is and then they have to specialize or decide what area they're going to go into and I think the worst thing is for patients is to to have a doctor that you absolutely have no rapport with that is very clinical and you know doesn't have a clue what you're feeling as a patient or what you're going through. And I think what a brilliant idea this Beverly Kane had. Now her story alone, I had to look up her story because she went to California because she wanted to be an artist. And then she thought, well, she could always become an artist and a a computer scientist out in California because of Silicon Valley. Well, she hitchhiked to California with just $35 in her pocket. She was going to stay a couple weeks, but she became really, really seriously ill and became hospitalized. She was so disappointed with the state of the medical system that she started volunteering at a free clinic. Uh, And then that led to her going to medical school and she graduated as an MD from the University of California, San Francisco. So talk about a winding path to a career, but it was during her residency at San Francisco General Hospital that she realized there needed to be alternative therapies Um, She wanted to be, uh, she was board certified in family practice, but, um, you know, she became interested in human potential as well. So it led to her developing this program. And, um, you know, I would highly recommend, I'll put a link to her website and the PDF um, that's for the program, but talk about a winding road to get into developing this course, which is brilliant because uh, most horse people are uh, very good at 
knowing how someone else is feeling. You look at mannerisms, you notice body language so much better than the average person. And she realized that, you know, so uh, anyway, I'll put a link to that and you guys can read it for yourself. And you mentioned Nancy um, about bedside manner, you know, like there's just some doctors that you can't connect with on that level. And that was a big issue um, in a number of countries because of the entry requirements to get into medicine, where we put a lot of um, weighting on intellect, but we don't look at soft skills and interpersonal skills. And this actual course, the medicine and horsemanship course, promotes the development of interpersonal communication skills and teamwork with the students. And they're critical skills in medicine because it's not just about like with the patient, but if they can't communicate like doctors to nurses and within the teams in the hospital, then that's where patient care ends up getting pulled down and could end up in detrimental states because of poor communication skills or lack of teamwork and being able to work through problems within teams as well. So they found that participation in the course led to significantly improved levels of non-reactivity and decentering aspects of mindfulness. And I think that non-reactivity is so important too, like to kind of center yourself and take a moment and not just, you know, fly off the handle if someone says something, if you are predisposed to having a bit of a temper, you know, giving yourself that skill or that communication tool of just taking a breath thinking about what they said even repeating so you're telling me this is what's happened and it's all these soft skills that we don't learn in school and they're not taught a lot of the time and I think a lot of colleges courses are trying to move towards implementing soft skills to better help but this was such a brilliant way and I think when you introduce something that can be looked at as novel it can pique interest as well so like the it's not asking the medical students to do like a seven-week course where they go out into the community and they're with people which would obviously benefit people and the community and the students but that's it's that's keeping them in the realm of where their mind is constantly and this was taking them away from what they had to focus on in their college get their brain to work a little differently, work with an animal that can only communicate through body language and kind of rewire them for just that short period of time to give them that mental break from their workload. Yeah, and they only had 28 in this study, but um, they're looking for other research on this. I I would, would uh, want to see you know, 10 years down the road from when they took this course, what kind of doctor are they? And, you know, did they retain that uh, type of information or type of behavior that it, it is all about self-discipline and self-management? And I think empathy would be a big part of that because um, the calmer you are, the calmer the horse is, and there's so much mirroring that occurs between human and horse. And uh, I know a lot of our research has um, 
discuss this, whether it was the fear smell in human sweat or if it was um, heart rate transfer from human to horse. Well, I think empathy and peacefulness and kind of an inner calm is something that can't be learned. You have to develop it. And I think that's what this um, course most probably um, has as a goal is to develop that inner calmness in doctors because then that's going to transfer to the patient and um, you know just a, a good read and the website of um, Dr. Kane is really really unique as well because it has, she's developed other courses as well just not ones for um, medical students. So um, anyway, I was really impressed with the results, which um, saw a decline in stress and pressure and a suicide um, ideation. Um, you know, it's sad to think some of these students think their way of escape would be to end their life. And what, you know, for me, what better way to make them see the big picture is to get them out on a farm, uh, whether it's just in nature or just being with horses in general in the farm environment. Sometimes uh, you don't realize how big the sky is until you get away from the city and actually see it. And that kind of puts the um, your own significance in a um, minimal way, you know, we're all part of a big picture and you don't really realize that when you're so focused on your achievements and your goal setting and, and what you want to do. So when yeah, and I think that, that, sorry, Nancy, I was just going to say, no. like, I agree the impact of nature is, it's just so important on your mental health. And I mean, Suicide is definitely the last symptom of depression, unfortunately. I actually had heard the other week someone using um, the term that the person had lost their battle with depression. And I really liked that term because I think early intervention can play so many roles. But depression is such a dangerous disease and it has such dire consequences that it's something we need to become a lot more mindful of and try and have interventions early on and incorporating something like this for students just makes college that bit safer of a place for them um, and to me I think that's so important like one of the reasons I ended up in teaching I was always interested in teaching and loved teaching students that came into practice but it was when I was doing my research on burnout in veterinary and a lot of the papers talked about how we have to intervene when students are in college. Like we need to be teaching the coping skills and the soft skills and the mindfulness when they're in college. It's a bit late teaching it in the workplace. Now it's never too late to teach an old dog new tricks, but it's a little bit late to be doing it in the workplace. You really need to be teaching them those coping skills alongside teaching them how to do the skill of the job. And that was what really kind of drove me into teaching because I really wanted to try and incorporate that somehow. So this paper was absolutely brilliant. And thank you, Nancy, for recommending it. Really enjoyable read. And one of the ones I would recommend for anyone to have a read of. I just love it when 
you know, you think horses are no longer needed in our society. Sometimes on Facebook, I see people say, oh, just let horses be horses. But unless an animal actually has a function within the society, their value is depleted. Yeah. And when something doesn't have a value, then that's a welfare concern. So yeah. I love it that of all the animals in our world today, horses keep coming back as being a needed resource in our culture. And whether it was back when the explorers were on horseback all the way through the centuries to today's world. Well, yeah, we might not necessarily need to be riding horses, but I think, um, you know, for those of us that enjoy that, we it, it does help you psychologically. I mean, I love it. If I'm having a bad day, I go saddle up and it changes my whole perspective. But if it's just being around them, taking care of them, grooming them, leading them, that they serve a purpose there too. And to a segment of society that I always thought probably didn't need to be around horses. They're medical students. They're honed in on helping people, but horses can help them as well. And I just love that whole aspect of the thread through history of horses being needed by the cultures through the years. And I think it's really proven by the fact that it's not very practical to use horses for these things. Like <laughs> to incorporate them into a course like this, there's a lot more expense and they're not easily transported. So you have to bring the students to them. A dog or a cat will be a lot easier to move about. And then you have obviously the absolute fear when you first set up the course that a student's going to get kicked or bitten or there's going to be insurance issues. or So I think all of that, I mean, the goods that horses bring into people's lives massively outweighs all of that for them to even be considered to be used for schemes like this. And I just thought that was really lovely as well, that there's something about horses specifically and particularly that makes them such a great therapy um assistant I guess or just has such an important role in assisted therapies that yeah. they keep coming back again and again and I've had the pleasure and I've mentioned it on other podcasts of seeing um it's called Festina Linte in Ireland but it's the therapeutic horse riding and I've seen the impact that's had on people and their families and on children that have additional needs. And it's just incredible. Like if you ever have the chance to get involved with a charity that does that kind of work, that will give you so much fulfillment as well to see the impact these horses have. And I will say that that Dr. Beverly Kane, she volunteered as a sidewalker at a equine therapy place. And that's what gave her the idea for this course. So um, I agree with you, Kate, um, you know, great paper and, um, you know, just opens up a whole new way of looking at 
um, the future for horses. So um, anyway, have a read on it and uh, any questions or any research you guys want us to do, um, you know, send us an email, Instagram, Facebook, um, and reach out. We'll look it up and do a little of our own research and, uh, you know, maybe do an episode on it. Brilliant. We have a couple of requests lined up, but we're always eager for you to keep them coming. So <laughs> let okay. us know. And thanks so much, Nancy. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, Kate. Bye-bye. Take care.